I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We are sitting under the stars. I can see the moon. There are seagulls flying above our heads as we approach midnight on day three of the Australian Open. Myself, David Law, Catherine Whitaker, Grad Mats here. We're brought to you in association with The Telegraph. The reason I've just been able to describe this wonderful scene is because we are outside. We are nursing a beer, the first of, of my two beers before I pass out, <laughs> Catherine. Um, Which is what you did last night wearing shoes. Yes, fully clothed. <laughs> don't recommend it folks um but anyway that's how committed we are to the tennis podcast and to talking about this wonderful sport until the early hours of the morning um i was quite relieved to find out that matt had also passed out in his clothes not wearing shoes though i really feel like that's a crucial detail yeah Uh, right tennis what's happened today we started as i can recall uh it feels like a long long time ago the story of the day felt to me at the time uh, that Dan Evans had managed to win two or play two tiebreak sets against Roger Federer and really could have won that first set. I mean, wow. Should have won that first set. Discuss. Oh. Five Matt's, four. That's not in. Five four. It, it was echoes of the 2009 Wimbledon final. Wimbledon final. Yeah. Andy Roddick against Roger Federer missed volley in a first set tiebreak. Yeah. And Evans okay. missed two. Yeah. So let me get this right. Dan Evans has been told by Roger Federer it was like playing in a mirror, <laughs> and now he's been compared to Andy Roddick in a Wimbledon final. Well, I mean, it was. It was, it was a, a mis- sim- It was. I mean, he wasn't at set point. Yeah crucial difference but 5-4 and a, a sitting forehand volley what? Good memory, sit, sitting possibly a yeah. tiny exaggeration but huge it was a strange decision to serve volley I thought I mean he yeah, had been doing it fairly well but yeah. Federer was looking a bit shaky from the back of the court I thought maybe Dan Evans had him in, in that moment but he, he he sort of trusted his attacking instincts I thought Evans throughout and that was just another and example he, and of he it. was right to oh, absolutely. It, it was purely execution that led him down on that occasion it was but an absolutely marvellous match in mm. terms of the stroke play wasn't it I mean I'm, I suppose I'm not surprised by that necessarily but to see Evans play pretty much at the peak of his powers and do it in a way that forced Federer to dig into his repertoire it, just watching them counteract one another and then attack and then nullify and then and then find ways to to 
impose themselves. It was just, it's so unusual to see that sort of tennis these days. Usually it's all power-based, and, and this wasn't. And I think Federer was caught between loving the style of play, loving that, that challenge, and actually getting quite concerned. Towards the end of that first set, we're, we're ground level, and he walked towards us in our commentary box, I think probably when he was midway through that t- first set tie-break, and, and he looked really rattled and miffed and, and quite concerned about whether this was going to go away from him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He definitely didn't have one of those early-stage Federer or substitute any top dominant seed matches that felt like an inevitability I mean yeah that you know that there wasn't ever a moment where I felt like yeah Dan's gonna win this <laughs> but equally it didn't feel like a <clears throat> foregone conclusion and he did really well to make it that in the second set when he went down the break early you kind of thought Absolutely. oh here we go this is gonna peter out now but he he got the break back and really pushed Federer again and actually, I was very. Imp- I think when you've got a game star like Dan Evans, and you're going up against Federer, who's the complete master of slice and sort of cat and mouse and just sort of teasing almost, you have to. If you've got that sort of game style against Federer, you have to play really well. Otherwise, he makes you look a bit silly because he's just better better yeah, at it than you but, are. But I mean, that, that te- generally speaking, those are the most sort of depressing matchups aren't they when it's two identical game styles where one is just better it's Nadal against Ferrer isn't it you know just you know Ferrer is going to do play his absolute best and have absolutely no chance at all um, because they're the same but one's better than the He's other so, so for, I know it was straight sets and yeah. I know we're biased and I know David is particularly biased <laughs> but uh, but he really did do blooming well and I loved seeing I loved seeing like him showing how much it mattered to him I really yeah. liked that I loved that he admitted to being really nervous beforehand I, I really liked seeing all that from, yeah. from Dan Evans and, and I loved how frank he was in the press conference afterwards talking about well yeah I did, I, I did play really well today but of course I did I, no pressure on me I was playing Roger Federer I, loved, you know, I was on the biggest stage I've got to do this um, at some challenger when nobody's watching um, for, for pitiful points to, I've got to do the grind get the wins to get my ranking up and it's important to just remind people that may not know that Dan Evans tested positive for taking cocaine about what was it a year and a half ago and he served a suspension for it a year ago he wasn't a player because of his own stupidity quite honest quite honestly uh, he only he knows it he only came back in April of last year and here he is already at 160 odd in the world he'll be after this tournament playing on the Rod Laver Arena playing to that level it, it is a remarkable turn of events for him I, I did not see this coming at all we did have David Felgate his coach in our commentary box for a few minutes and we had Leon Smith and I, I said to Leon do you think he's learned his lesson and and he I mean I guess he would say yes but I, I, I'm quite convinced that he has I don't see another massive derailing of the career of Dan Evans again personally he he knows how badly he messed up mm. and that he only he has himself to blame I really don't see any he's He's almost going out of his way to not seek sympathy. You know, people want him to talk about his experience and we all want the quotes about, you know, 
how difficult he found it being away and, and you know, in fact he didn't watch the Australian Open last year because it was too hard for him. We all want those quotes, but then he risks being accused of, you know, oh, well, what, you know, you've only got yourself to blame, Dan. Do you, don't you, you don't expect us to feel sorry for you. Well, I, I do have sympathy for a, for a bloke that made a mistake and is a human mistake and is... is accepting of that and is prepared to face up to that and move on from it I do you know and um yeah I I really I really wish him well it's I mean we're probably going to end up talking about (laughs) other people tonight Grigor Dimitrov that you just he 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 just pulls you along with him doesn't he why are we going to talk about Grigor Dimitrov oh because I'm getting sucked in David go on tell me why what happened well he won right he won in four sets. Just wins sometimes. <laughs> and also the draws. He won in four sets over up. Pablo Cuevas. Look, the draw opened up for him earlier. What's happened with the draw? Because Mr. Consistent has <laughs> let us all down. Oh, yes. So this is the story of the day, really, isn't it? That Kevin Anderson, fifth seed, is out. And he's out to Francis Tiafoe. That's... I mean, I, I was unable to really watch that match because of commentating. What was the story here? Was, was Anderson in any way... Was he injured? He did have an injury, I believe, okay. on his elbow. He did receive treatment. Um, but he was he was a set, and I think three love up. And TFO came back. And that is going against my opinion of TFO. I don't... I don't I haven't, I've not seen that from TFO before. Well, that, what is that your sort opinion of, of him? I've always thought that he's sort of quite talented, but is not going to really make huge waves um, he, his forehand is very strange and I always think he's going to miss whenever yeah. he hits it and he's sort of he's in matches but I can't really think of many memorable matches he's played he pushed Federer once the US Open that's, that's kind of about it but maybe this is, this is his time and actually it's come from nowhere because at the Hotman Cup he was absolutely terrible he lost, <laughs> he lost every match he lost all the mixed doubles as well with Serena Williams <laughs> <laughs> How bad is that? Yeah, I'm sure I, th- I think I could win a mixed doubles with Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, I my take on it was the Anderson injury was a factor, but not the whole story. Yeah. There was still some some significant work to do for for TFO, and, and enough work that he he it deserves to be considered a big step forward. Mm him I think um, yeah. it's, it, it is it is it's worth mentioning the Anderson Anderson the Anderson injury but it's not it's not the Thing whole is, wit. I, I've, I've tend, tended to find myself being pretty underwhelmed by Francis TFO over the years I, I, there's a lot of American commentators and players and ex-players always saying how good he is and how he's going to be better than X, Y, and Z, and and I've always thought mm, not doesn't mm. do much. It's funky for me. technique, yeah. Isn't it? That's the. I but think it's because everybody's already got the rights to the film script sold, you know, <laughs> before he's done anything. No, Mar- because Marty, it, it, is, Fish, it is the most incredible story. Marty Fish actually went on Twitter in, uh, a while back and said Denis Shapovalov will win a slam, but TFO will have the better career. Um, I mean, I think both of those are. A stretch, really, at the, just just at the moment, um, to say with any degree of confidence. But he was impressive today, TFO. He was really quick around the court. Mm. He was powerful, and and as you said, he showed stickability yeah. out there today, which which is a great sign. 
To beat a guy like Anderson over five sets ago knows what he's doing over the distance. That's impressive. And the other American today who maybe I've put in the same bracket is Taylor Fritz, who another one who's Did been... Did he win? He beat Gail Monfils today. Right. So, um, those win. are two two really good wins for him over very different players in all the ways. Norrie in the first round, finalist in Auckland, obviously. Okay, yes, perhaps a bit tired from Auckland, but still, again, I know it's only a third round, but I f- you're right. You're absolutely right. They, these are big results for both those guys. And, uh, yeah, we've all harped on for for years if not decades now <laughs> it's getting that way isn't it about you know men, uh, American men's tennis needs mm. a flag bearer well I'll tell you um, one, one American that isn't in the tournament anymore despite hitting 67 aces tonight is Riley Opelka 67 yeah. aces 67 aces to about how, to two how that was bad it, yeah. his ground strokes <laughs> I saw none of that match but what, what, what I, I tell you what I did what? see I saw the handshake he was playing Thomas Fabiano, who is five foot eight. <laughs> Riley Apolka is seven <laughs> foot tall, right? And the, and the and the, is he and really seven foot tall yes, though? Yes. Or is it one of these one-upmanship things where once upon a time uh, John Isner was uh, no, no, it really is six isn't. ten, and now he's no, six eleven. Apolka is because according to the the, the uh, media guide, Apolka is six foot eleven, and when he was asked about it, he says. Closer to seven foot. Right, so it is one of these. It's exactly <laughs> it is one, one of those. Yeah. You've just described precisely. But it's six eleven. It's not exactly a. You know, it's not exactly making. No, no, it no. Up, but what's it? happening here is a battle to be the tallest man on tour. Tall, because as as you know very well, David, tall men are very weird about other tall men. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. Honestly, my brother is one of the most confident people I know. But get him in a room with somebody half an inch taller than him. They are irritating, and it all gets tall weird. Are, all gets really weird. Um, is, is it? So are we talking about Riley Opelka's height, a bit like Sam Gross talks about his 164 mile an hour sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is totally that. We're not completely convinced. Yeah, testosterone is a wonderful yeah. thing, and good for Wikipedia because you, you know you get a bit of extra. Um, so yeah, Thomas Fabiano's five foot eight. He hit two aces, <laughs> and he won the match. <laughs> I mean, isn't tennis great? Hey, can I tell you who Thomas Fabiano plays next? Who? Gregor Dimitrov. All right, so. Why are we so excited about uh, No, Dim- no, no. Dimitrov? Let's not say so excited. You were. You were t- was he, she was texting videos earlier. There was wow. a video. It was one of those... I said to the Tennis Australia broadcast escort who was on court for, for the Flash interview uh, that I did with Grigor Dimitrov, I said, this is my favourite court at the Australian Open. Court three, just over our shoulders here um, as we look at it. It's a sort of amphitheatre-style court, which is all other things being equal my favorite style um and um i mean it's it, i think because the fact it has absolutely no shade but if you're watch if you're sat on that court during the day you have to be a hardcore tennis fan you you have to be into what you're watching to be able to sit on that court during the day in melbourne and, and at night it it brings something completely different. It's big, but it's not too big. It's it's just got everything. And Grigor Dimitrov won on that court tonight in four sets over Pablo Cuevas. Um, and we had a and, and I had to do this interview with him afterwards. And I I could feel the guilt running through my veins about the WhatsApp conversation that we all had had earlier. Which one was that? It was the one where. Matt said, "Look, the draw's opening up for Grigor Dimitrov," and oh, yeah. I said, 
I said, the fact that the draw's opened up for him makes me even less confident in him. <laughs> oh, but said, do you know what point. I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then I saw him tonight, and in the way that he and bloody Nick Kyrgios and Dano, he he's made a believer out of me. Excellent. Well done, Again, Gregor. He had this oh, little he's gonna win it twinkle all. in his eye. And Go on, Gregor. It's obviously given, given him the, the way that he won. It was two. It, it was four sets. It was a set apiece. And that fourth set was really nip and tuck. And uh, he, he, he broke uh, Pablo Cuevas, I think it, either at four, I think it was a 7-5 final set. He, uh, Cuevas was 40-love on serve. He broke, he, he won five points in a row to break his serve and then hold to clinch the match. And I, it, a bit like we were talking about with Joe Conte yesterday, that the, the fact that it was such a tight victory over Tom Ljanovic is is a really significant confidence boost and and uh, I don't think he's going to win the tournament well, I'm not getting that carried away but okay. I'm I'm also rowing back on my dismissiveness so Fabiano and do you know what against him just one more thing on. my final question to him was tell me what it feels like to to look up and see Andre Agassi in your box and he just he just sparkled in the way that we know he's a bit showbiz, isn't he? In Dimitrov. a lovely way. Um, doesn't Brad Gilbert, Gilbert call him Showtime? Showtime yeah. You know, in a love, in a really likable way. But he is a bit showbiz. He wants to impress Andre Agassi. He loves having him in his box. He loves that it's a thing, and he wants to impress him. And Steffi Graf was in and there. Yeah, he well. mentioned that. He said, "Oh, my parents are here, and they get on really well with Andre and Steffi." And <laughs> It's all a big loving, and it's all going to be great. And he almost started talking about vibrations. No, all right. <laughs> okay. So, moving on. Uh, somebody who wasn't talking about those things was Roberto Bautista-Agut, who is the player of the tournament. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, twice now he has been two sets to love up against players that have been having the whole world behind them. And then those two players have suddenly started playing like colossuses against him and he's been public enemy number one two matches in a row on the same court this time it was John Millman and it was there were two of the dullest sets that I've ever seen in my life the first two that <laughs> Bautista had got one six three six one, and then Millman I do not know how suddenly pulled out a comeback including from a fourth set tiebreak. What was the score in that tiebreak when he started coming back? He was, he was 6-2 down in the tiebreak, four match points down, yes. and he reeled off uh, the next four points to save all the match points and Don't then won the tiebreak. It was, it it was, was Millmania oh, on Melbourne was, Arena. It was electric out there, wasn't it? I mean, crikey. It was, I mean, it was so exciting that, uh, <laughs> that, that the cameraman at one point focused on Matt's head, on the side of his head, to look at the rest of the view. And Matt became famous for the whole world and then sort of panned out. That was really funny. Um, but uh, Millman was <laughs> defeated. Millman, <laughs> he didn't like I was, that. I was just informed that I'd been seen on telly and I thought, oh God, no, I better this move is how it seats. Starts, and then David explained. And yes. I thought, so. Grad Matt's journey to Melbourne. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's now famous. From bedroom um, to TV screens everywhere. He's going to ditch the podcast. Now he's a big TV star. <laughs> um, so Bautista Agurt withstood that and still won the match again. And, and, and he, he, does, he does 
this extraordinary poker face throughout the whole thing. Like he he behaves like he's sort of lobotomized throughout tennis matches. And then and then he hits the winning shot and this sort of animal appears. Yes. I mean really the explosion of emotion yeah. of him at the it, end was it's, just it's, it's great. I, I I love it. I I've so much respect for him, but yeah, it's, it's quite something. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in, being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Bautista got went through, Nadal won through, he was pretty comfortable tonight against Matthew Ebden, little interview with John Makera at the end that lasted longer than the match. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, um, the Courier won with Federer on, sent, on uh, RLA earlier. I mean, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, they're quality interviews, but when did, when did a on-court post-match interview go from sort of a couple of banterful questions to uh, a Paxo interview? Life and times. <laughs> Catherine's next uh, plan <laughs> is to is to start extending her interviews by about eight questions. Um, so, yeah, Nadal through comfortably. Kerber through. She won all right. We've just had Alex Dimonor. He's going to face Nadal in the next round. But goodness me, what was that? Was that a whistle? It was an attempted whistle. Yeah, okay. being drowned out by some Australian advertising on the big screen in yes. the background. Uh, so, but Dimonor playing against Laxanen. It was really close, wasn't it? Because he was leading two sets to love, ended up going into a fifth. 
why was that? I mean, you know, you look at that matchup on paper, you think, well, Diminor's won Sydney and he's got all this form. What's, why did that end up being such a close battle in the end? That's what I want to know. Well, there's a couple of things. I think, one, I do think, I've thought this for a while about the Australians and this Australian summer that they've got. There's, there's quite a lot of pressure for them to play the events. And so they've, you know, and if you're Diminor, you go far in Brisbane, you go far in Sydney, and suddenly he's in the Australian Open and he's not exactly fresh, is he? Um, and he, he looked a little bit like he hit the wall tonight. Sort of, he wasn't. He really wasn't getting his ground strokes through the court. And Laxanen sort of took over. But I must say, we did see classic Dumanor when most people would shrink. He grew in that fifth set and managed to find a way. And that's that's what he does. That's what he's all about. Watched by Leighton Hewitt as we, as we've we've been discussing this and we've had this whole thing with Bernard Tomic's words, etc. We, were asked, we asked Leon Smith, the Great Britain Davis Cup captain, so a sort of contemporary of Hewitt in that sort of role, about that situation. And he said, you know, it is a problem, really, that because what's happening in that box is that is not just a Davis Cup captain sitting up there watching a player and supporting the, 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 the support team. He's actually coaching Diminor there. He's, he's got, like, an earpiece in, talking to the, talking to the coach... It's, it feels too much, really, given, I, given the fact that you've got all these other players and, it's, and they're all, gonna, all those players are going to want to know, well, hold on, is he going to get preferential treatment for the Davis Cup? Is he going to get wild cards that I we mean, don't I, get? I believe he sort of is his coach. I don't, do they make any think, secret well, to that? I, I think, think there, is a, set, there is a coach, though. But, right, but, but he, I, I, it goes beyond just being a oh, Davis Cup Oh, I think captain, he spent Christmas with him. I think Diminol spent Christmas with the Hewitts. I, you know, I think... Kyrgios did one of his social media posts, which he deleted in four seconds. <laughs> yeah, you can't... But... but so he, what? he knows that screenshots exist, right? But he does make that <laughs> like, mistake quite a lot, doesn't he? You know... Uh, oh, well. I, ju- I just... Uh, I'm really torn about this because I think that factions of this... Of this Men, Australian men's tennis divide are behaving badly and immaturely and, and a lot of the behaviour is not great but then equally the role of the Davis Cup captain is to, to somehow overcome all of that and get the players playing for you but then I but then part of but then I go around in circles with it because I think but like I mean how is there a way to deal you know some things are unmanageable but then Hewitt apparently said this is just Bernie being Bernie and I when mean, he loses I, he complains I mean Pat Rafter couldn't manage Bernie Tomic I mean if you don't like Pat Rafter like just hand in your notice on human interaction <laughs> <laughs> Catherine went together <laughs> fantastic um Bob Bryan has been into the interview room today. He's played his first match uh, at a Grand Slam, I don't know, maybe his first match in total, since having the same operation that Andy Murray may well decide to have. And he was discru- discussing it quite a lot. Uh, Catherine, I think you were in there, weren't you? I was in there, as were a few, quite a few British journalists for obvious reasons. And I worried that there would be a bit of a sort of... I mean, I quite often feel sorry for doubles players in press for for a lot of different reasons because often it's, you know, they're always brought press together, which is the right thing, but often only one of them wants to get spoken to and the other one just has to sit there uh, trying not to look unloved. <laughs> well, one get you know, see Bruno Suarez at 
Queen's and Wimbledon, you know, all of those kinds of situations or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, t- and today, obviously, <laughs> all the British press trooped in for uh, the Bryans and, and I thought they would go, oh, yeah, we know what this is about. <laughs> you know, it's almost insulting, you know, we want to ask you about someone somebody else. El- someone else. Um, and both of them, even Mike Bryan, they, they were so... Not sort of, I don't want to say wanted to talk about it because that makes it sound like they were sort of wanting to make it about them. They were just completely happy to talk about it. Mike was just so proud of his brother and so chuffed to have him back and just wanted to sort of shout about the situation and, and what a success the surgery had been. And and Bob, Bob's obviously been through something with Andy Murray. I really feel like... Well, he, I don't he, know how close they were before. He described um, a, a charity event that Andy Murray had just turned up at at the last minute to basically rescue them because they'd got they'd lost somebody from the, the thing and they raised a million dollars and and that really clearly mm. resonated big time and and Bob was clearly happy to do whatever it took mm, to help him out. They've definitely got they've they've got a. A, a something going on which is more than just an exchange of medical information yeah. you know and yeah. uh, but look it was all he was very clear to say that he hasn't he hasn't offered any advice to Andy in terms of this is what you should do but equally he wasn't um, trying to be careful um, or holding back on talking about what an enormous success he felt that this surgery had been for him so uh, he said he he walks around now with no pain no pain no pain at all and look he 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 freely and frequently acknowledged that A it's only five months in things can happen B I'm a doubles player but speaking within the the confines of of those situational elements he could not speak highly enough of that surgery and and, uh, my question to him was look Andy's been talking about this surgery kind of purely in terms of quality of life. The, the two options he presented uh, on Monday were I either pretty much rest for four and a half months and then give it a go for the grass to try and have my last hurrah at Wimbledon or I have this surgery straight away and think in terms of being retired and quality of life. And I asked whether that was essentially too in his view too pessimistic an outlook in terms of his tennis career and he said look it's never been done before and that's why nobody's telling him it can be done and nobody's wanting to offer him false hope but he definitely said he he thought it was possible Mm. for him to come back after this hip resurfacing surgery and that he should he thought there was confident reason for optimism goodness me that'd be a turn up wouldn't it (laughs) come back next year it would but now Andy's going to get all sorts of people saying oh well you know you told us you were retired now you're coming back make your mind up Andy he's not he's not said anything he's just answered he's people have asked him how he's feeling what the options are and he's he's given he's given honest answers about what is a very complex yeah, and nuanced how situation how he feels it's not his fault that it doesn't fit into a pre-packaged neat little headline for us yeah 
Yeah. Um, have I told you that I think Andy Murray and Jamie Murray will end up playing doubles at Wimbledon together and he won't play singles and that will be a great way to end his career? Is that because Andy Roddick said that and you've, no, but you've, <laughs> you've borrowed that? I didn't do it because... Because, because of that. Well, because, I, sorry, David, I, didn't, I don't mean to... <laughs> so because I hadn't thought of that until... I saw Andy Roddick tweet it, and I, tweet it and I thought, oh, yeah, well, yeah, great, great plan. Obviously, he's going to do that. Right. And I, I started saying to people... Yeah, he's, <laughs> it's just me and Andy that think that. <laughs> uh, uh, the, oh, the, I feel really bad So now. you should. The interview room is... Oh, everyone's um, nodding at me like, yeah, you should feel bad. <laughs> oh, really do. The interview room... I didn't room. mean it like that. I meant I know, I've I been guilty of, it, right. of the same uh, thing. The interview room has oh, been a particularly dear. good place to be uh, this week. Well, it's been good and bad. It's been good because it's been interesting. It's given us lots to talk about. But it's been a bit heartbreaking. Victoria Azarenka yesterday in tears. Yeah. And it was tough to watch, wasn't it? I saw the video of it. And she's having a bad time. She lost to Laura Sigmund. Um, she's, she's a set-up, I think, in that. She's tried really desperately to set. play and juggle her life and be what she was before she stopped playing because of the custody battle over her young son, Leo. And she just looks a bit lost, and I feel really sorry for her. She looks a bit lost. She sounds a bit lost. She, I think she knows she's a bit lost. You know, she she, she knows where she is, and it's not... She's nowhere near, really, at the moment. She's nowhere near, and uh, I think it's a... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a testament to how much more goes into tennis than just being very good at tennis yeah. isn't it because she obviously has all the raw materials and maybe how much She's, the game has moved on though that's another do you think point so? it's possible not not everybody's game goes with them in terms of the the era can necessarily cope when things change a bit I mean she's still a, a hugely impressive player but I saw Arena Sabalenka today and she beat Katie Bolter who played okay but it's I don't know it's like it's moved on another level there's a compatriot of Azarenka do you think do you think it's moved on or do you think she's just she can't do what she used to be maybe she's do? regressed well we're looking at on the big screen behind us here is uh, Maria Sharapova mm. who you know huge fanfare about her comeback she's not nowhere she's had some okay results I should, I should say she still hasn't lost a game at the Australian Open yet she's won her first 15 games is that 3 love I'm looking no, it's at 3-2 three, 3-2 two, two. <laughs> My eyes aren't that the best. New, that news was correct as of about half an hour oh, ago. Oh, dear. Um, I'm having about four but, minutes here. But is it... I mean, there's a... There's a <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I started it all. I did see on... Can we, but, get, can we but, get a third but, thing you know, I can get right? But, you know, is that the case with Sharap? I mean, the, I mean, there's the other discussion that we can't really have because we have to sort of dance around it so much, but... You know, we know now she was taking Moldonian for her whole career. A, a, she was taking it legally, but she's now not allowed to take it. Did Those it are the facts. Did, yeah. did it have an impact? This one will never um, know. We'll never know. And but also, has the game moved on mm. since? You know, I, I, sus, I suspect she'll win this match. She's actually three two love thirty, David. Yeah. I did. I did. But you know, sorry. That is, sorry. Speaking of Sharapova and not losing games. I did read on Twitter that she started her 2013 Australian Open winning the first 28 games of the tournament. She won her first two matches, 6-love, six 6-love, six and then was 4-love up in the third round. <laughs> That's extraordinary. <laughs> and she's still got a beat down from Serena well, in the Well, that final. was only six years ago. Mm. Yeah. So, 
Has the game moved on? She speak to your brother about the stats. You can maybe tell us if there's anything in it or that. But how can you do stats on the game moving on? I don't know. How can you do stats on the natural evolution? Answers on a postcard. I think that's a conversation for the pub because this podcast needs to close now, and I'm going to close it with uh, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I'll tell you the order of play for tomorrow, which is uh, it's Thursday. Rod Laver Arena uh, has. Victoria Cosmosa Cosmova yes. in the <laughs> He's done it again. And, and so there we are. That's the third thing I've got wrong in five minutes now. Uh, Victoria Cosmova. Come on, David. Uh, against Alina Svitolina. Uh, and then Who's s- winning it, Matt? Alina Svitolina. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I mean, she's come a long way. I believe from Court Twenty to Rod Laver Arena in one. <laughs> It's quite a long way. Yeah. I mean, physically, that takes quite a bit of an effort. Yeah. Although uh, I'm disappointed it's 11, because that means I have to be here very much on time. <laughs> so no four o'clock sleeps tonight, <laughs> then. Uh, then Stanford Rinker against Milos Raonic. Simona Halep against Sophia Kennan. How about this for a, a night Both of those are good matches yeah. right there. Rod I feel like night. Halep Kennan has a Halep Davis... 2018 feel about mm. it. Does it? Okay. Mm. Well, in the night session, Bouchard against Serena. Quick word just to say how well Bouchard's started playing. Yeah, yeah really and I chatted well. to Michael Joyce about it earlier. What a lovely man he is. Coach oh. now of Jeannie Bouchard, last, uh, formerly of Joe Conta, before that, Maria Sharapova, lots of others, I think. And the subject of a David Foster Wallace Yes. Yes, uh, absolutely. And. and uh, yeah, I, d- I mean, I d- I, he's very realistic. I don't think he's predicting a win, but, mm, you know, Never more know. of a match than than recent form. And by recent, I mean sort of last couple of years. Then we've got Songer against indicate. Djokovic. Yes, please. Who's going to win? Djokovic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, good, but four or five sets. Okay. Night session four. on Margaret Court Arena, <laughs> Johanna Conta against Garbini Magarutha. Who's winning that? Okay, I'm going content. Right, uh, and just finally, uh, we've had an email from uh, Jamie Wilkes here, which uh, which I quite enjoyed about the uh, the super tiebreak. He says, "Hi, expat from Yorkshire, been living in Adelaide for ten years, been listening to the pod since day one." Cracky. He's a warner. Excellent work. I play competition tennis here, both district in summer and state in winter. Final set tiebreaks are called super tiebreaks. No. I believe Tennis Australia implemented the format and it has been adopted by each state organisation. Uh, and I think oh. TA came up with the name. He said, no. No, he's, he says that and then he says, P.S. P.S. My daughter Sienna, aged five, does a funky dance every time your title music comes on. Please don't oh. change it. Well, that's lovely. So that's lovely. But... Isn't it? Tennis Australia did not have invent the first to ten point tie break. Maybe they just called it Super Tiebreaker. I don't know. But we can't call it a different thing everywhere. That's just yet more inconsistency. Okay, Catherine's not having it. Right, well, that's been the tennis podcast outside under the lights and with Maria Sharapova playing in the background. I can't see the score. My eyes don't work well enough. 2-4. Two, 2-4. Two, four. Two, four. Love 15. Okay. Peterson. Right, okay. Catherine Whittaker. Grand Matt. Me, David Law, we'll be back with you uh, in association with The Telegraph. We are executive produced by TennisBalls.com. We have a mascot, which is Rio with a Y, the beautiful dog that is Rio with a Y. And we'll be back tomorrow. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 